All right, First Chronicles, chapter 18. We're going to try to go through chapter 18 and 19 tonight. All right, Proverbs 16, 7 says, When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Now, that's not saying that we're not going to have enemies, because we all have enemies in some shape, form, or fashion. And we have that number one enemy, Satan himself, that we have to battle every day. But if we do follow his, his ways and his, his statutes and his commands, he will bring a peace with your enemies. That, that kind of goes beyond our understanding. And we're going to see that today with uh, David as he conquers his enemies, which God had promised him. And we see a peace that's going to come with some of his enemies uh, as, we, as we get into the scripture today. As David's dynasty is starting to be built, the dynasty that God had promised him that we had talked about last week. So as we get into that today, in verse 1 it says, and, and it came to pass that David attacked the Philistines, subdued them, and took Gath, its town, from the hand of the Philistines. Then he defeated Moab, and the Moabites uh, became David's servants and brought them a tribute. So it says, after this, this is after God had made his promise to David that he would be with them and give them great victory in battle, and that he would have a great dynasty that would follow through him, which ultimately would lead to our Savior, Jesus. So after this promise was made to David, David goes into battle. And he defeats the Philistines, which is one of the arch enemies of Israel that's always harassed them. And now David in Israel is harassing the Philistines and subduing them and taking territory back from them. Because for so long, the Philistines were taking territory from Israel. And for so long, the, our enemy has been taking territory from us. But with Christ, we're going to regain all of that territory back. And he's going to be with us in, in, while we're doing that. And in verse 2, it talks about that he smote Moab, which was also a country that, from the east that had harassed Israel. And you've got to remember, some of David's relatives were from Moab. We look at Ruth, who was a Moabite. So, but he subdued them because they decided to come against him. I think if they would have wanted peace with him, and genuinely wanted peace with him, I think David would have took that peace. But these countries did not want peace with Israel. They wanted to conquer and rule them. In verse 3, we see, And David defeated Hadadazer, king of Zobah, as far as Hamath, and he went to establish the power by the river Euphrates. David took from him 1,000 chariots, 7,000 horsemen, 20,000 foot soldiers, also David hamstrung all the chariot horses, except, uh, except that he spared enough of them for 100 chariots. When the Syrians of Damascus uh, came to help Hadadazer, king of Zobah, David killed 22,000 of the Syrians. Then David put garrisons in Syria of Damascus, and the Syrians became David's servants and brought tribute. So the Lord preserved David wherever he went. And David took a shield of gold that were on the servants of Hadadezer and brought them to Jerusalem, also from uh, Tabahath and from Chun, cities of Hadadezer. David brought a large amount of bronze with which Solomon made the bronze sea 
the pillars, and the articles of bronze. It says that he went up into the river Euphrates. Now, this is part of the terror promised land that was promised to Abraham. And with David and Solomon, they kind of ruled over a, a large majority of that promised land. They didn't rule over it all, but those two kings probably had the most territory of that promised uh, land that was given to Abraham. So we see David uh, conquering those portions here. And David desired to build the temple. We talked about that last week in the prior. He wanted to build that temple so bad for God. He wanted to give God a place of dwelling among the people. But he knew that the answer was no. So what's the next best thing if you can't build it yourself? David did everything he possibly could to be part of that temple that was going to be built. In some form or fashion, he was, he was, going, to, he was going to help out. Kind of sounds like a story that I read is about a boy who had a boat. He had a string attached to the boat and is out on the lake. And the little boy's having fun with the boat, and a big wind comes up and snaps the string from the boat, and the boat sinks. Then the boy looked at his new circumstances and said, Wow, this is a great day to fly a kite, and went out and flew a kite instead. And I look at David that way. All right, Lord, I can't build the temple, that's fine. I'm a man of war. I'm going to go out and acquire some things that's going to help build this temple for my son who's going to build it after me. And that's what David does. David wasn't going to be the builder anymore. And not everyone in the body of Christ is a builder. We're not all called to build things. But some of us are called to be suppliers. And that's exactly what David was going to do. He was going to supply the needs for that temple. Whenever his son was to be born and take over the reign, Solomon was going to have what he needed to build the temple. And that's exactly what David was doing. He was going to make sure he had all the supplies that were needed. G. Campbell Morgan uh, speaks of this and says, To be willing to do the work of preparation when not permitted to undertake the principal service is proof of real devotion. To do the behind-the-scene works that no one sees to labor late into night praying for those interceding for family members when they don't even realize they're being prayed for. That's true devotion to Christ. And we see David gathering the supplies that are going to be needed in devotion to Christ to get that temple built for him. In verse 9, it goes on, it says, Now, the, now when Tal, king of Hamath, heard that David had defeated all the army of Hedadezer, king of Zobah, he sent Hadram, his son, king, uh, to King David, to greet him and bless him, because he had fought against Hadazer and defeated him. For Hadazer had been to, at war with Toa and Hadoram, brought with him all the king's uh, kinds of articles, gold, silver, and bronze. And King David also dedicated these to the Lord, along with the silver and the gold, that he had brought from all, the, all these nations, from Edom, from Moab, from the people of Ammon, from the Philistines, and from Amalek. Moreover, Ab- uh, Abishai and the sons of Zariah killed 18,000 Edomites in the Valley of Salt. He also uh, put garrisons in Edom, and all the Edomites became David's servants, and the Lord preserved David wherever he went. So the news that David had uh, 
had done some things to Hedadezer, got to Tal. And I think Tal did the right thing and joined the right team by joining David and wanting to be a piece of him. Because Hedadezer had also been messing with Tal as well. So Tal finally said, you know what, if you can't beat him, join him. And he joined up with David, and that was a good thing for him. And it says that David, all the things that David had acquired, he went ahead and dedicated them to the Lord. And I think that's something a principle we can look at, that David dedicated all the gifts he received to God. David understood where his blessings come from. We don't create our own blessings, but God is the giver of all blessings and all things that are good. And David was acknowledging that, that all these things that I'm collecting, all these, these victories that I'm having, they all come from God. I don't need to get a big head about it and think I'm doing it. But God is doing this. And so David would dedicate these things to him. He knew that the praise and the glory belonged to God, period. It doesn't belong to man. It doesn't belong to ourselves. It all belongs to God because everything we do, everything we, we see, everything we eat, everything we enjoy, it all comes from God. The very breath we have comes from God and needs to be dedicated to him. In verse 14, it says, So David reigned over Israel and administered judgment and justice to all his people. Joab, the son of Zariah, was uh, over the army. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. Zadok, the son of Ahiatub, and Abimelech, the son of Abiathar, were the priests. Shavasha was was the scribe. Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. And David's sons were chief ministers after uh, at the king's side. So here is kind of just giving you a breakdown of how his government was set up. And uh, not only was David a war hero, you can say, or a warrior, but he was also had to be the, have place to administer the judgment and the justice inside that kingdom. He had to do more than just go out and do war. He kind of took the place of what the judges were doing in the time of the judges. Now he had to also take care of the war issues, and he also had to bring judgment and justice to the land. And we see David doing that here. So moving on to verse uh, chapter 19, we're going to look at a pretty interesting story here. And it starts off in verse 1. It says, It happened after this that Nahash, the king of the people of Ammon, uh, Ammon did died, and his son reigned in his place. And David said, I will show kindness to Hanan, the son of Nahash, because his father showed kindness to me. So David sent messengers to comfort uh, him concerning his father, and David's servants came to Hanun in the land of the people of Ammon to comfort him. Now it says that his father had did, showed favor to David. I, I don't find anywhere in the Bible what exactly happened, why he gave him favor, but favor was given. And uh, because of that, David was going to show a little hospitality to these guys and come over and say, hey, I'm sorry for your loss, bring a couple gifts over, and basically say, if you need anything, I'm here. And his intentions, I'm pretty sure, were pure and right in the sight of the Lord going to do this. But we'll see in a minute the, the new king did not exactly think that uh, his intentions were pure. He kind of took some bad advice from some counselors. And we're going to start with verse 3. It says, And the prince of, uh, princes of the people of Ammon said to Hanan, 
Do you think that David really honors your father because he has sent comforters to you? Did his servants not come to you to search and to overthrow and spy the land? Therefore, Hanun took David's servants, shaved them, and cut off their garments in the middle at the buttocks and sent them away. Then some went out, some went and told David about, about the men, and he sent, uh, sent to meet them because the men were greatly ashamed. And the king said, wait at Jericho until your beards have grown and then return. Now, a man's beard in the Middle East at this point in time, and probably still some of the Middle Eastern countries today, was a very important thing, and that was very shameful to get your beard shaved off. You know, we, maybe we can't grasp that today, but that is pretty shameful. Then the fact that he split the back of their garments to show their butts, you know, is not a very, <laughs> it's not a very good thing to go back to Israel with. So just try not to imagine that too much. But that's what this king did. And this new king of Amman, he was not taking very sound advice uh, from these counselors. Because David came, and, and obviously he, David had respect for his father. So he's coming over just to pay his respect, say, hey, I'm here for you if you need something. And he's taking bad advice. We need to watch who we take advice from. Facebook and Instagram and YouTube is not a good place to get our advice from. Just, I'm just saying. But seek, get, get you a few godly men or godly women around you that, that, you, can, that you can trust with your your issues, and, and, and you can seek wisdom from them. And number one, we need to seek God. We need to seek what the Holy Spirit has to say on whatever issues we may have. But get you some godly men and women around you to be able to help you to kind of sort through the issues you have. And uh, obviously here he did not have godly wisdom with him as he uh, sought um, advice from his, his counselors here, and they gave him the wrong advice altogether. But... You know, Jesus said that we should share our, the love of Christ with people. We should share the gospel with people, and we, sh- we should. And in John fifteen twenty, he says that even as the world has persecuted him, so it will persecute you. David sent these guys as messengers of love, sent them as messengers of, of, of hope, maybe, of comfort, and they were persecuted and sent back to David. Realize we are going to be persecuted for Christ. If you haven't been, just wait. It's going to happen. The persecution is not, is not when, or it says it's not if, it's when it's going to happen. So it'll happen. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew five eleven and 12 says, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you, falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For great is your reward in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. So when persecution comes, we should be excited about it and be glad about it. That seems kind of hard to do when it actually comes. But realize that we're in good company whenever we're being persecuted for Christ. Because it says that the prophets before us were persecuted. Christ himself our Savior was persecuted. So we are no better than Christ, that's for sure. So if he was being persecuted, we are going to be persecuted. And just realize we're in good company, that those who are in heaven have all been persecuted at some point in time, and we will join them one day.
So just remember, persecuting persecution will come, and we need to be exceedingly glad because of it. And in verse 6, it says, When the people of Ammon saw that they had made themselves repulsive to David, Hanun, the people of Ammon, uh, Ammon, sent a thousand talents of silver to hire for them uh, for themselves chariots and horsemen from Mesopotamia, from uh, Syrian Ma'aka, and from Zobah. So they, so they hired for themselves 32,000 chariots with the king of Ma'aka and his people, who came and encamped before uh, Medeba. Also the people of Amman gathered together from these cities and, uh, and came to battle. Then the people of Ammon came uh, out and put themselves in battle array before the gate of the city, and the kings who had come were by themselves in the field. So this king knew what he was doing to these servants was going to have repercussions. And I'm pretty sure whenever it happened, he already sent word out to these people in Syria and, and so forth to start gathering your armies. That we're going to go up against David. We're going to see what this king of Israel is truly about. And they were going to bring the war to David. And they made themselves repulsive to Israel. And David, you, you're going to see his retaliation in a minute. It says to put in, put in the way that the writer, put it, to put the way the writer puts it, they failed to recognize one thing, that God was with Israel. They didn't take that into account when they started getting their, their, their armies into battle array. And when they decided they're going to attack David, whenever that king decided that he was going to shave the beards of these messengers and, and cut the backs of their garment, he didn't take into the one thing that he should have taken account from the beginning was that God was with Israel. And David came to their defense, just like the sons of David will come. Just like the son of David will come to our defense. David wasn't going to take this. I don't send an ambassador from my country to your country, and you disrespect them like that. If you disrespect them, you're disrespecting me. And the Lord looks the same way. So when we go out and persecution comes, and we're being disrespected because of the cross, our Father takes that personal. And he's going to be there in our defense. And ultimately, in the, in, in the end, when Judgment Day comes, that, that, that defense will be there. So David heard of the hiring of the uh, Syrian uh, mercenaries, and he mustered up his army. He had jo- Joab and all the hosts of the mighty men were going to go out to take care of this, uh, this group that was going to come up against David. In verse, uh, where are we at? In verse 9, I'm sorry, we're in, we're in verse 10. I'll take that back. Uh, when, Joab, uh, yeah, when Joab saw that the battle lines was against him before, the, uh, before and behind, he, cho- he chose some of Israel's best and put them in battle array against the Syrians. And the rest of the people he put under the command of Abishai, his brother, and they set themselves in battle array against the people of Oman. Then he said, if the Syrians are too strong for me, then you shall help me. But if the people of Oman are too strong for you, then I will help you. Be of good courage and let us be strong for our people and for the cities of our God. 
And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. So we see the battle lines are drawn. We see these two brothers going to war uh, to defend Israel. And I think about this, I think about this as when, we, when I was in the army, we had a thing called your battle buddy. And we see these two brothers. They weren't just brothers physically, but they were brothers in arms. And they were ready to go to battle. And they were ready to have each other's back. And I think as believers, we need to be able to be like they were. If someone is in, in, our, in our family is starting to fall short, we need to go to their side and go to their aid to help them out. And if we're in need, we're going to hope that someone in our family is going to come to our side and to our aid to help us as well. Because we're all fighting against a common foe right now. We're all fighting against the enemy. We're all fighting against the devil. And we're all fighting against our own personal <laughs> devils that we have. And we can use our brothers and sisters to come alongside of us to show compassion, to be a, be a shoulder to lean on. And we see these two brothers are having their back here in war. We need to have each other's back in the own spiritual war that we fight every day. And they said in the end of verse 13, he said, And may the Lord do what is good in his sight. They were putting their trust in the Lord, that the Lord was going to make sure this outcome came according to what the Lord wanted, to whatever his will was in there. And we need to accept whatever that will is through this. And verse 14 says, So Joab and the people who were with him drew near for the battle against the Syrians, and they fled before him. When the people of Ammon saw that the Syrians were fleeing, they also fled before Abishai, his brother, and entered the city. So Joab went to Jerusalem. So we see that, Joab and his elite forces pushed out the Syrians and pushed out the Armenians and, and drove them back into the city. God was giving them the victory. Verse 16, it says, Now when the Syrians saw that they had been defeated by Israel, they sent messengers and brought the Syrians who were beyond the river. And uh, Shophak, the commander of Hadadezer's army, went before him. When it was told David, he gathered all Israel, crossed over the Jordan, and came upon them, and set up in battle array against them. So when David had set up in battle array against the Syrians, they fought with him. Then the Syrians fled before Israel, and David killed 7,000 charioteers and uh, 40,000 foot soldiers of the Syrians, and killed Shophak, the commander of the army. And when the servants of Hebedezer saw uh, that they were defeated by Israel, they made peace with David and became his servants to the Syrians, were, uh, were not willing to help the people of Ammon anymore. So David came in and took care of business. David came in and defeated all the enemies, but we know ultimately it was God giving him the victory over all of these enemies. And not only did Israel win the battle, but the servants of Hadadezer switched sides and became servants of David. And I believe that, I believe that this is, is really what the meaning of being more than conquerors is in Romans 8.17. That not only do we gain victory against our sin that seeks to dominate us, but, it makes, but to make it our servant as it serves to show us the need for our Lord. So we are more, more than conquerors. He will give us the victory. And he has given many of us victories in our life. 
And he's given us the ultimate victory over death. So we got to praise him for that and give him honor. Just like David dedicated everything to the Lord, we must dedicate everything we have to the Lord as well. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this message tonight. We do give you praise and we do give you honor for all the victories that you have given us in our life, Lord. And as we look through scripture and we see David, Lord, just faithfully following you and just in disobeying what you have for him, Father God, and that as he obeys you, you give him victory over his hardships and his enemies, Lord, and we, we thank you for that. We ask for your blessing, Lord, over each and every individual here tonight, Lord, we ask for your traveling mercies as well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.